0: And I'm not saying that just because I like watching orgies. In 18th century France, there lived a man who was one of the most gifted and notorious personages of his time. His name was Jean-Baptiste Grenouille. And if his name has been forgotten today, it is for the sole reason that his entire ambition was restricted to a domain that leaves no trace in history. to the fleeting realm of scent ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the style guide podcast with your hosts Dave Morris and Stephen or how are you today Steven?
1: I'm, I'm fantastic. how about yourself Dave
0: I'm good I did that thing again did you I, notice I
1: did that notice really? that thing
0: I'm gonna stop doing it that's it I'm gonna stop doing it from now on
1: good good we've got a good thing going there's no need to change it
0: yeah um well uh, yeah so uh, speaking of not changing it, we are kind of changing it today we are just a little bit just a little bit not a lot not like drastically and we've done this sort of thing before but we're focusing on one particular story that's true that that is a book and a movie
1: a story of a murderer one might say
0: one m- would say because that is the subtitle of the book that we've mentioned on this podcast enough times that i think that that, that that's what warranted this special episode and that book is perfume
1: perfume
0: yeah, uh which is a, a fantastic book and a fantastic movie, I think. And I like the differences between them just as much as I like the similarities.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the interesting things. There are some some pretty stark differences between the book and the movie and yet I think each helps its particular medium stand up on its own. So,
0: Yeah. So had you read Perfume before uh, we decided to do this podcast?
1: I hadn't. And So you I, read it? Uh, yeah, I read it just for just for this podcast so this in last last week.
0: And had you seen the movie or no? I
1: had not. I thought that I was aware of the movie more, but watching the movie I realized nope, this is not something that I'm at all aware of. So
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it was one it's one of the uh the forgotten Alan Rickman movies.
1: Oh, the forgotten Alan Rickman movies. And uh Dustin Hoffman.
0: Yeah, and the unexpected Dustin Hoffman.
1: The unexpected best best kind of Dustin Hoffman, really. The unexpected Really, yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. Yeah let's uh let's let's dive right into it yeah let's since since you hadn't read uh the book before did you read the book or watch the movie first
1: i read the book first
0: you read the book first and then watched the movie great yeah. uh so did you have moments when you were reading the book of, of how did they make this into a movie or were you just immersed in the book
1: the entirety of the book i'm i'm sitting there going how are they going to make this a character that we want to follow yeah. Because Jean Baptiste is not a, a likable character in any capacity in the in the books and or in the book uh, and it's it's actually hard to find anybody who's a likable character in the book. And so yeah. there was there I was struggling with who we were going to follow and what that kind of narrative was going to be and and trying to figure out how they were going to transform this Uh, ugly street urchin into somebody that we would be interested in following for what turned out to be like a two and a half hour movie the movie's long
0: yeah yeah that's uh that, that and that is one of the the to me one of the big differences between the book and the movie is that in the book you are constantly reminded how terrible a human he is yeah like, the whole opening about, like, all the different terrible people throughout history and how he is one of them yeah, is just, like, you're constantly reminded that, hey, hey, don't don't actually start liking this character too much. He's actually a horrific, like, monster. Uh, but you're still following his story. And so, like, in the book, you're constantly reminded, whereas in the movie, you aren't quite reminded as much. You almost like him. Yeah. And to kind of feel, like, this pity for him a little at the beginning because he, because of how... How he was born and, and like him laying on the ground, smelling all those things. And you're like, oh, wow. Oh, how beautiful. <laughs> and that's, you don't get that in the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Jean-Baptiste in the book at his height, the the character is average. Like they, they make that very clear that once they get rid of his street urchin qualities and and dress him up, he is a normal human being.
0: Yeah, with scars scars all over his face and stuff.
1: Yeah, just like, but but not somebody that you would necessarily give a second glance at. Like that's the yeah. height of him. Whereas in in the movie, he's played by Ben Wishaw, who is a beautiful man, uh, in a way that seems almost wrong for the character. But they end up playing it in a very different sort of way. So it, I think it works in a different sort of way.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the, I, I guess the, the they do keep the same idea that he is kind of the, uh, I don't want to use the word victim, but he is like uh, the fact that he, he smell the most beautiful smell in the world and only he can smell it. And that, that kind of captured him and drove him to do all these terrible things. That is kind of in both. But in the book, it doesn't seem so like, like he's been a victimized of that. Like he hasn't been taken over by the smell as much in the book. Uh, where in the movie, it feels like the, the the fact that he smelled the beautiful smell is what's making him do all these her horrible things because he's trying to get it you know does that make sense
1: yeah yeah it does well and and the thing about the movie is that with the visual element added there is a uh, a romantic or a sexual quality to it that very much changes the I think relationship we have to the character
0: interesting I I, I just I think it's interesting that you used romantic and sexual. Because I would have used the word beautiful. But I guess they are those all go together.
1: Well and, and I you're you're right. Like this is the, the thing that surprised me perhaps most about the movie is how how beautiful it is, uh, even in its ugliness. Like the the book doesn't achieve that same level of contradiction. Like the prose is in at points beautiful and well written, but what it describes never has that quality to it and in the movie you're constantly struck by by these contradictory feelings of of beauty and ugliness at the same time
0: yeah it's like it's like you're watching like a torture scene from a Tarantino movie in while watching big fish at the same time
1: that That is a fascinating, but probably pretty <laughs> accurate way to describe it.
0: You're kind of grossed out, but at the same time, there's these really beautiful visual things that is just making it seem so magical and wonderful. Yeah. The, like whenever they, like uh, when, when uh, Dustin Hoffman smells the perfume and like sees the <laughs> world, like sees the smells. Yeah. That moment is just like, oh, wow, magic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it has, it has a more whimsical quality in, in, the, in the movie at points. And I wouldn't have described Perfume after reading the book as a whimsical story.
0: Definitely not, yeah. Because in the book, I mean, also the, the, the moment in the cave in the book is not in the movie.
1: N- not not to the extent, like he does go off to the cave, but it is in no way the same scene, but, you're right.
0: Yeah, and it's it's this, and I remember when I first read that part of the book, that the whole book just started feeling really, really gross, you know, like, I don't know, it just felt like now I'm like, it's all real, it's gotten, at first I found it kind of funny almost, uh, which is probably not a good thing to say about a story about a serial killer, but... But kind of like comical that this was what the book was about. You know, a book called Perfume was about a killer and a horrible person. And I found that whole concept kind of funny. But once we got into like the cave part where he's like living in a cave for like how many years? Like two, three years or something? Was Seven that? years. Seven years he's living in this cave. And you're like, man, this is a weird part. It reminded me of that, uh, of Sherlock Holmes. The, the, the red, Lady in Red, the... Red. What's the one? What's the, like the first Sherlock Holmes? This sl- I can't recall. You know, it's the one where where there's like the, the uh, um uh, r- raka is written on the wall, and it ends up halfway through that book. All of a sudden, like following the story of like these Mormons.
1: Oh right, right. Okay, yeah.
0: And, you know, and you're like, what? This is a weird. I did not expect this story to be like this. And that's how perfume felt. It was like, ah, oh, it's this exciting adventure. But then, nope, we're gonna spend seven years in a cave.
1: Well, yeah, and and for me. Th- I think that's the moment where the book may have started to lose me. Yeah. Uh, at at the, that was the first hints of it because up until that point, I'm, I'm following along for the ride, uh, that he's already, he's had, he's killed his first person by then. Yeah. And, and so you, you have a feeling for the character and how he's going to escalate into a serial killer as opposed to, uh, just this guy who killed someone, uh, In a not in an accidental way, but in a casual, you know, incidental way, yeah. And and so you you get this feeling like, okay, it's gonna build, and and instead we go off into a cave for seven years where he eats rats and and snakes and bugs and almost freezes to death for because he doesn't want to get up. And it's just such a weird diversion, and and I think you're right, really puts everything in this disgusting frame
0: yeah he's like a tick uh which is the metaphor that always pops in my head when i think of perfume just waiting to drop and drink blood again um but uh but yeah it's the because at that moment and i I read the book for the first time so long ago so i can't really remember exactly what was going through my head in that point but because he'd only killed the one person at that point right yeah yeah so and he's the story of a murderer. So who knows how many people he's going to kill. Maybe he just kills that one person. And then he goes into a cave. And then he comes out of the cave a good person. You're not really sure, but you know he's not a good person because they won't let you forget that. So it's this like, what's going to happen now? Is the is this the end of the book in the middle of the book <laughs> um, or not?
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the other things that kind of, it, it didn't upset me, but I didn't understand what was going on with it is every time Jean-Baptiste left someone, they would die and we would, or or not necessarily they would die immediately, but we would, we would hear the story of their death.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And, and I think that part of that was to emphasize kind of the sinister nature of, of jean Baptiste's influence on people's lives.
0: And how he he is like a, a a a bad omen or something, like coming in contact with him will kill you, yeah. whether he kills you or not, so maybe that's how he's a murderer
1: <laughs> yeah, well and, and and that was the thing for me, like it was the, the there were these confusing asides that we went off, and then he goes off into this cave and <laughs> and like I know where the story has to go because like they've already set up what he wants to do next. Yeah, But at the same time, it's hard to believe that the story in this cave is going to turn into the, the next story or the story that they were telling us before.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And, and it becomes hard to want to follow uh, the character at that point because you... At this point, you've been following along because, you know, you're kind of enthralled with him and and he's an interesting character. And, you know, he's definitely weird and and terrible, but you you're interested enough to see what happens next. And then you get to this cave and you're like, I don't like this, this anymore. I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure what I'm doing, continuing to read this.
0: Which is, again, one of the things that I I remember really liking about the book was. So we talked about this similar concept when we talked about Margaret Atwood and the fact that when you read Margaret Atwood, you don't necessarily feel good reading Margaret Atwood. But after you've read it, you're like, well, that was that was good for me to read, you know, like, (laughs) right. (laughs) But it doesn't make you feel good, but it's good literature. Uh, And this book kind of achieves that. It makes me not happy. And it makes me feel gross or uncomfortable or whatever the negative words you to, whatever negative words you felt when you read the book and uh and so the fact that a book can make me feel that way and yet i still want to find out how it ends is to me like a, a work of, of uh it, it's, ama- it's amazing
1: literature and and i think you're right i mean to to be able to evoke disgust and 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 that's what the 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 book does it's able to evoke this disgust in such a, a strong way and and have you continue reading but but really feel revulsion throughout it is quite quite a piece of writing
0: yeah and the fact that uh the book is called perfume which is generally something that makes that smells good, makes you feel happy, and is about like sort of about vanity and, and beauty and things like that. And then the book is the exact opposite of it. I just think again that's one of those. This is an amazing work of of, uh, of literature.
1: Well, and and that was the like the title. I've always I've known it as the title of Perfume, but the full title is Perfume: A Story of a Murderer, and that's yeah. a wonderful juxtaposition.
0: I know it's great.
1: Like the title works so well and and there's so much promise in there and so uh, I like just right from really getting the title it I I I bought into it even more.
0: Yeah, and the fact that his name is Jean-Baptiste Grenouille,
1: Grenouille, which, yeah. which
0: is like 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 the the name of like a saint like John the Baptist and frog like <laughs> It's just again a wonderful juxtaposition of like a savior and a frog, like when I, like it's great, it's fantastic, yeah, yeah, and I love the the whole um like uh like right from the very beginning of the book, when they start telling you how gross he is and how like horrible his birthing was, Oof. and how his mother was just gonna like kill him like she'd killed the other ones you know like it was just so gross yeah and you kind of feel sorry for him at that point but then when the like wet nurse is like complaining about that hey how he has no smell yeah and that it it and for so right from birth he's made people uncomfortable yeah uh because of of his lack of smells want to hold on to life so badly uh which is the like wonderfully taken care of at the very end when he finally lets go of life
1: yeah well and i mean it's it, it's a beautiful moment where early in the book uh they they're they're describing all this ugliness around him and then they they start to describe how you know how little he needed in the orphanage and and this wonderful sentence he was an abomination from the start he decided in favor of life out of sheer spite and sheer malice, and and it's such a such a strong way to draw us into a character and say, "Oh, okay, we are not in any way supposed to like this character basically from birth." Like, yeah, like he ha- he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and that and, and and I mean, there's a sense in which he is in a pitiable situation, but we are not supposed to pity him.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he is a monster. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a yeah.
1: monster among uh, among monsters, and disgusting, a disgusting world. And so,
0: yeah, and it's direct from the first sentence too. Is that is that idea of like you're not supposed to like the character this book is about? <laughs> like, what is it? It's a. Uh, I got it right here. In 18th century France, there lived a man who was one of the most gifted and abominable personages in an era that knew no lack of gifted and abominable personages. <laughs> isn't that great it's just like what a wonderful way to open this book he was gifted and abominable and every and there were many other people who were also gifted and abominable in that era and he was among them uh and the only reason what yeah the reason i he had heard of him because it was in perfume
1: and it's it's a setup that tells us that there's probably not going to be any heroes in this story like it's it's not going to be you know the heroic uh detective who who solves the case and and brings down jean baptiste you know they're Mm -mm. everyone seems to be pretty terrible you know in i mean if not in the world then in france you know (laughs) and and so don't don't expect to to find anyone along this path that you're supposed to cheer for
0: yeah and i think this is this is the thing the book does so well that the movie doesn't quite do it doesn't quite get you to that place of understanding that he is an abominable personage uh, throughout the whole thing you do kind of start rooting for him
1: well in in the in the movie yeah yeah i mean the the opening scene is is him inexplicably in chains looking pathetic you know yeah and mm-hmm. and ben Wishot has a has a lovely face that just draws you in Mm -hmm. and i mean there is nothing about him where when i look at him i go oh okay that's a like they 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 gave him a few scars and and disfigurements but he he did not look like an ugly man
0: yeah and you know and one of the moments i always i always remember when i watched it that i was like i was like i feel for this guy for some like at this point is the when he's trying to capture all the Mm -hmm. sense with when with dustin hoffman comes down and sees him and he's like uh uh, yelling because he can't could capture the smell of glass yeah and it was that moment of like the smell of glass that he's trying to capture and he can't why not what's and he's like he's in he's suffering because of it yeah Uh, that you kind of feel sorry for him he's just trying to get these smells that he can smell that no one else can oh no oh no the smell of like and and like because there are those weird smells in life that you smell and you love it so much and there's no way you could ever capture. Like to me, like I don't know, one of my favorite smells. You ready for this?
1: Yeah, bring it.
0: Is is when it's been sunny and it rains for the first time onto concrete, Under and that concrete. smell, concrete, wow. that smell of of wet concrete after it's been warm. You you know what I'm saying? Even though I know you can't picture it in your head right now, but other people can. That the smell of wet concrete and when it's raining after it's been warm is just amazing. Wow, uh, and that's a smell that I don't think there's any way to capture that smell or recreate that smell or, or make a perfume that smells like wet concrete. Nor would I want to walk around smelling like that. But, um, <laughs> but those smells and like so that moment when he's talking about glass, I totally I'm like oh I get that that smell of glass. I, I can totally understand why you'd want to make a perfume using it. But uh, and so you feel for him there, and it's strange because I don't I, I had no recollection of feeling for the character at all in the book.
1: No, in the book, he comes across as more of a weirdo and and just trying, trying to capture scent towards towards a a a weird goal. Whereas in the book, like even earlier on, when he's first playing around, smelling the stick or or discovering the different scents of wood in the book, you get this. He again, he he's creepy. No one likes him and and deservedly so but in the book he's a carefree child who is playing with his sense and 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 so it's hard for you to hate him the way that you definitely come across as hating him in the book yeah and i mean to an extent i mean how do you make a child you know a five year old child who is you know trying to sniff sticks and 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 uh cords of wood how do you make that a, an insidious feeling and
0: visually visually yeah. and it's hard mm-hmm. to
1: do and and to their credit i don't think that they tried they went a different direction with the movie where they made his experience of sense a more of a religious experience than it was the the this horrible gift
0: yeah and we we've talked about this before that that there are some differences you have to make when you make movies mm-hmm uh, and I think you're right with that—that that, uh, idea of making it, making him grotesque at the beginning of the movie would not have worked as well. Visually, seeing a child that's that gross and and and, and uh, we we would just ugh, no one feels good when they see it—an uh, a- evil child.
1: Yeah, and so the, then the question becomes: Okay, well, if that's what we want to do, then what what's the story we can tell around that? And mm-hmm. we can't exactly follow Jean Baptiste because. It's hard to follow somebody who is completely unlikable on film for for that long. So, mm-hmm. do we follow someone else? There aren't really any characters that are a through line through the story. So, yeah, what what do we do? So, I think that they did the best the the best thing that they could if they were going to trans translate it to a movie. Yeah,
0: and this is why I like to say the book is great and so is the movie, but they're just different. They're very different. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to talk about. Uh, before we get too, too far into the movie, uh, I just want to talk about the first murder.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Or the murder, I guess. The the one that kicks the starts at all. Because in the book, it reads much differently than it is portrayed in the film. Yeah. And it kind of ties into what we were saying, what we've been saying just now. So I think it's a good time to hit it. So how did you like the murder in the book? Did it shock you? Did it surprise you? Was it, was it scary? Was it beautiful? What did you think?
1: So in in the book you there there's always that expectation that it's coming you 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 know that this is the kind of person who could do this you and and the story tells you that very explicitly all throughout and and so there's a sense in which you're always waiting for the moment and and when he first Picks up the scent of what is going to be this this redheaded uh, uh, virgin. Um, you 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 have this moment in the book where you're like, oh, is is this where it's going to happen, or is is she the one that we're going to follow throughout? And I hadn't decided whether he was going to, whether the whole goal was to capture this one particular person's scent, and so that was going to be the entire story of the book. Or mm-hmm. whether he was trying to capture Scent in a more abstract way. And so I, I had this fun waiting of, is this the moment or is this just the introduction to the character? Yeah. And and then he just goes and, and kills her. Like it's it's very abrupt. Yeah. And you you're 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 very uncomfortable with it in the book because it happens all of a sudden and it's he doesn't even care about the murder. He, yeah. he just cares about capturing her scent and rubbing himself all over her so that he's totally enveloped in it. Yeah. It's 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 disgusting.
0: It's it's the fact that, to me, the book, it hits me with this, like, so he follows her and he's smelling her, and you're right, you're totally like, oh, is this the smell that he's going to try and recreate for the rest of his life or, or what? And then it has the moment where she turns around, and I'm just going to read this this paragraph here, if you don't mind. Yeah, do it. So she was so frozen with terror at the sight of him that he had plenty of time to put his hands to her throat. She did not attempt to cry out, did not budge, did not make the least motion to defend herself. He, in turn, did not look at her, did not see her delicate, freckled face, her red lips, her large, sparkling green eyes, keeping his eyes closed tight as he strangled her, for he had only one concern, not to lose the least trace of her scent. When she was dead, he laid her on the ground among the plum pits. Uh, So... They don't even describe, they don't even say when she dies. Hmm. It just jumps over all of that. And it goes from him just really wanting to smell her. He doesn't even look at how beautiful she is, doesn't even care. And then when she was dead, he laid her on the ground among the plum pits and then tears off her dress and, and starts smelling every part of her body to get, get the smell. Because uh, that's all he cares about is that smell. And it's just like in the book, the murder is hardly even, it, 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 it's not even scary. No. And that's what makes it so gross. Like she's not even scared. She doesn't even move. In the movie they do it differently.
1: In the movie. Where she she
0: screams, you know, when he actually has to to kill her. So in the movie there's a motivation for him to kill her because she's screaming, right? So he has to silence her. But in the book there's none of that. He just strangles her while he's smelling her. And and to me that's so the book makes it so much worse. Because it's not even an intentional action of his, you know, like it's not a she died. It's a when she was dead. <laughs> like that's the creepiest thing ever.
1: Well, and there, there's something of that in the movie in that like it, he, he needs to silence her, but it's not entirely clear that he's trying to kill her. Like I'm not I'm not even sure in the, the movie that that's a thought that crosses his mind until she's dead. Like she's he's he's just holding her, covering her mouth, keeping her silent in to keep her from screaming while the two lovers walk by, and and it's not until she's dead that he even has, realizes what has happened. Almost. Yeah. And and it's it's so I mean it it's it it has some of that that carefree quality to it, but it again seems more innocent than in the book where it it's just no he's killing her and he's just going to smell the scent off her body away yeah and it it very radically changes that scene and one of the other things is that like it's very clear in the book that so a murder had been the start of this splendor if he was at all aware of the fact it was a matter of total indifference to him Already, he could no longer recall how the girl had looked, not her face, not her body. He had preserved the best part of her and made it his own. And and I think that's the key difference in, in the book. In the book, they can say that because we never have to see that girl's face again. We never yeah. have to come back to the visual of her. But in the movie, any time that they want to do a shorthand return to this character they have to show her to us.
0: Yeah, so we see her face.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so it stops being merely this principle of scent, and then it becomes this question of is he feeling guilty and seeing her? Is this some sort of just trying to recapture the same feeling that he had before? Whereas in the book they can just say he was re smelling her. He was trying mm-hmm. to 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 smell her again, and we understand exactly that he has transformed her from a person into an object
0: yeah or uh, a smell
1: or a smell yeah exactly
0: yeah uh yeah i totally i totally agree and that is the thing with the the visual aspect of the movie that the book can capture in such a different way is the uh even though both capture it well the book allows us to separate the visuals from the the sense. Uh, where in the movie they are connected
1: yeah and in, and in fact it the the scents in the movie are always a shorthand or visuals are always a shorthand for the sense because they have to be right like it's not as if they're gonna you know show wisps of smoke or something like that to to demonstrate scent they he smells and we see things because mm-hmm. we like that's how else would the medium work? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, they're,
0: yeah, they're not called smellies. They're called movies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but and, and that's one of the interesting things about the movie. So the way that the, the sight becomes a shorthand for scent, despite its inadequacy, I mean, that's exactly what Jean-Baptiste finds with language when it's insufficient to describe scent he mm-hmm. can't like how can how can he describe wood with a single word there are infinite woods because there are infinite variations on the scent and and so language is is always failing him in the same way i think that we see uh it failing the the director with sight
0: yeah well that's a good point and it also it makes me think of of uh the writer themselves must be having that same feeling a lot of time. Like the, the image I'm trying to put into your head, I, the words are not good enough to make you see this or make you think this or make you feel this. And so I'm going to keep trying to make you feel this.
1: And there are times where the, the writer uh, of the book was able to, to make you feel sent, not not through by appealing to sight but through some other just the language was able to to draw something different but then there are other times like when jean baptiste is in his mind palace where you're like nope this is just a straight visual metaphor then and Mm -hmm. and it it's almost as if the book always butted up against the inability to tell the story that it wanted to because of that because it always had to fall back on visual because there's no we We don't have a language for scent
0: or a, an inadequate language for it yeah, 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 cool, cool um what else do you have any uh, anything else you want to bring up otherwise I'll, I'll keep going. I got other things I want to talk about well, <laughs> but you go you go
1: <laughs> so what did you what did you think of the narrator in the the movie um, uh
0: I think um Considering what they were going for, it was fine, and yeah. the changes that they made, it was fine to me. But it definitely was different. That's my short answer.
1: Yeah. Well, and my my feeling with with the narrator in the movie is that I I, I thought for a long time that it was Jeffrey Rush uh, playing the narrator, but it mm-hmm. was it it was too light you know it it felt really it didn't match the 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 weight of what i thought we were dealing with based on having read the book
0: yeah it it definitely is more of that i want to i'm just going to say the word fairy tale yes to make it to make a, a shorthand for it cuz it feels like it's now a a fairy story or a fairy tale story of a of a poor young boy who had this gift that turned him into a murderer. You know, like it it comes across like that. Where in the movie I read it in a very or in the book, sorry. I read and the voice that I'm hearing in my head when I read it is a very dry just matter of fact voice. And the movie had a much more, yeah, fairy tale voice.
1: The the book felt like it could for most of it be be a very real story you know it was it was just a matter of fact accounting of of historical events whereas i think fairy tale is the best way to describe the the feeling we get from the movie which i mean the visuals really especially towards the end of the movie really put, drive that home and yeah and it ceases yeah. to be something that we believe could have been possible
0: yeah and i think i i mean if I were to think of how I, I think the narrator in the book should have been in the movie, I would have thought the narrator should have been disgusted by the character.
1: Hmm.
0: Right? Like the narration to be like, there was a disgusting young man named, and like the whole thing of like full of contempt towards the character of the narration. But instead it was much more, uh, almost like he liked him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where, and but again, this is where I say because, of what the movie was going for and how they did make that big change from it being a disgusting character to being a likable character or at least a more likable character. I feel like the narration I guess had to go that direction. Yeah. So that's why it didn't really bother me too much. I was just like it's not it, it I, the whole movie wasn't what I had in my head, but it was still a decent movie.
1: Yeah, well and and it's a, it's one of those changes that I I found myself at the beginning of the movie, just off-put, because it wasn't what I expected, and yet every time that the narrator showed up, it felt like it was right. You know, it felt mm. like it was, A, the right moment, but, B, it was the right, I don't know, sort of bridge to what we needed to see next, and it just, it, it seemed like an effective way to to draw the story, even though uh, I I had envisioned uh, a very different style or a very different attitude towards the character.
0: Yeah yeah and and i think the narration was almost uh i mean normally narration in movies is it's like a cop-out i guess or like a it's like a cheap way to achieve it because the movie can't find another way to do it you know my
1: brother and i are jaeger pilots
0: (laughs) exactly um uh shout out scott thompson pacific Rim, your movie man but um yeah the it's usually a cop-out and so it in novels being made into movies, they're kind of necessary. And especially this one, because it's sort of written in like three, or is it, four? it's four parts technically, right? Yeah. Um, But part four is just the last chapter. Yeah. Right. So like it, it's in four, quote unquote, four parts. Uh, and so you kind of need a narration to bridge those parts, I guess, to go from like, hey, we are now entering part two of this story. And then, hey, we're now entering part three of the story where time may have passed and things may have changed to get there. Uh, and not have to talk about it the whole way through.
1: Well, and and that was that was one of the things. So I was impressed by the movie in how cleanly edited and tight a lot of the shots were. Mm-hmm. It it really captures the I I don't know the this beautiful grotesque nature of a bunch of different things, and so I was so impressed with the the direction and the editing that I there were times where I'm like oh you probably could have gotten away without a narrator. And been able to show us instead of tell us some of the stuff that the narrator's doing, which it isn't to say that they needed to do that. But I was just it it seemed like such an impressive film. And so the the narration, it wasn't as impressive, I guess. And, and so that was what threw me off.
0: Uh, I was one of the weak weakest links of the movie was the narration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. OK. OK. So what did you want to talk about?
0: Uh, I I don't know. I got lots of things I want to talk about. I just I, I almost want to jump right to the end of the book. Do it. But but I feel like we should save the end of the book for the end of the podcast. But you know what? No, no. Forget that. We're jumping there right now. Do it. Because this is one of the things that I think the movie did really well. Should we take it from the orgy or should we take it from the cannibals?
1: <laughs> See, now I love the idea that there are people who have not read or watched the movie Uh, or read the book and 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 are now realizing that there is both an orgy and cannibals Uh, that's what you have got to look forward to i say let's start with the orgy
0: cool the way it's done in the movie i think is fantastic and it hit like uh, almost better than it did in the book
1: i absolutely agree
0: and i'm not saying that just because i like watching orgies The, the orgy aside but the 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 look of it when he would wave his arms and everyone would be like you know overtaken with love for him you know like uh was just the visual of that was so powerful
1: yep it it worked so effectively and i think one of the reasons that it works so effectively in the movie is that we have seen beautiful things already we have seen both disgusting and beautiful things and in the in the book, we never really get a strong sense of beauty. There's, yeah, there's not a point where we're like, "Oh, like we we get a sense that the the virgins that he kills are supposed to be something that that are, we we lust after." And the way that Rishi, the yeah, sure. the father, uh, the sure. father almost lusts after his own daughter that that isn't a beautiful thing. It's disgusting. And so mm-hmm. and so we we're almost not even prepared in the book to have a scene that is supposed to be this very carefree expression of human love for each other like there's there's a no way that we're prepared for it whereas in the movie when it happens it's both a relief from everything that we've seen but also not unexpected and then mm-hmm. it's done very very well
0: yeah and it's it's that that's the kind of scene that you cannot describe as well as you can show uh because seeing that many people shouting and yelling and screaming over top of each other about how he's an angel and all that sort of stuff just looks so and the different colors of things and the 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 landscape of it just looks so much better and it all happens in in that instant instead of in the book where you have to kind of describe what's happening and it takes longer uh being able to see it the transformation that quickly amongst people is just was just like it's just it's just stunning yeah. And then they turn into an orgy and and we're like what the hell is happening?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, it it's good to compare it with the 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 movie has instances of nudity and sexuality and uh throughout it, but it's all of those are are not they're not sexy. Like the the se- the nudity yeah. that we see is not supposed to be sexy. It's it's disgusting to to watch him Try and pull scent out of naked women, you know. It's and and there's nothing that's ar- arousing about it. Whereas the orgy is really an attempt to throw arousal at you in a massive way, in an attempt to get across just the the height of this character's powers, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and and it is this like even then when it's like now let's show it like arousing a sexuality. You're still not really aroused because you're kind of like, this is messed up. Yeah. What the hell is happening? And it's confusing and like terrifying. Uh, and he just goes away. He just leaves. Yeah. Which is just like amazing. He just leaves. He gets away with it.
1: Well, and and my my favorite shot of that whole thing is the next morning when one of the women wakes up and she looks around and she realizes – what has happened and what she's done, and she—the shame is just all over her, and she just grabs her things and and tries to to leave.
0: Subtly leaves, yeah, yeah and everyone just goes away. And I don't know, do they? Does the narrator come in then in the movie? Yeah, because it's one of those moments where I I um uh, when I've read a book and watched a movie, when I try to remember the story, sometimes I remember the movie, sometimes I remember the book, right? And perfume is one of the books where I I mix them up because some of the moments in the movie I liked better and so I like insert them into my own, you know, head canon of the story. <laughs> so so I'm, all, I'm not cuz I know in the one of the versions so maybe it's the book is where where um everyone just goes on with their life never talking of that night again. Or that day again, and they all yeah. just completely ignore it and pretend it never happened and get on with their business. Uh, which, I don't know if they say that in the movie, but in the book, then, I guess it's said. I can't remember which
1: one's which. They, they They actually do end up saying that in the book, I recall. It It happens as this kind of fast set of, from from that all the way to the the hanging of, I can't remember the name of. Some other person. DeRoot or whatever his name is. The Yeah, the guy he worked under before. Yeah. That that does happen with some narration to it. You're right. But but you're it's such this this wonderful moment. They couldn't grasp the magnitude of the event, and so they all just forgot it.
0: Yeah, and they just they blocked their memory out of their memory and hung somebody else and think that they'd got the murderer and it's all happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So such a strange, uh such a beautifully strange uh moment. And it's sort of like the the perfect example of Grunui's superpower.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So that's the orgy. And then part four, when he walks all the way back and ends up in, in the same place he was born, right? Yep. And that's, I don't know if that's as clear in the movie as that's his birthplace. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But he goes back to the street ur- street urchins.
1: In, in, in the movie, it doesn't have the same sense of full circle exactly. Yeah. I they I, I think they make reference to it, but by then we are so far removed from the, that initial incident that it's hard to remember.
0: Yeah, and this is again the moment where part of the movie gets interjected into my re- remembrance of the story, mm. and the visual of him pouring the perfume on him and it dripping down his face. Mm. I don't know how it's described in the book exactly, but for, so so because I just see that moment in the movie all the time. Did he drink it? Like what? Did or did he just pour it on himself?
1: I don't it's, recall. It's like, it's
0: more or less the same, right? Yeah,
1: it, it's very similar. Yeah.
0: And then all the street urchins turn to him and they find him beautiful, and then they eat him. Yeah. They tear him apart and by f- his flesh and they they devour him because he smells so good. Yeah. And this is part of where where in the movie I did did not like was how beautiful they made all those street urchins. <laughs> Like I don't know if you remember noticing that, but like one of the women turns to like he's an angel, and it's like oh look at that amazingly beautiful woman with dirt on her face. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, that classic Hollywoodification of of street urchins. It's like why couldn't they have just been ugly street urchins? I don't know. Um, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Uh, and then they eat him and they devour him, and that is the end of the book.
1: Yeah, the and, movie and the movie. Yeah, what I got from the movie, and again, this is this is the the way that the movie was structured was it it had a much more religious overtone to it like i think i think they call him an angel in both of them but mm-hmm. in the movie you he is this very strange pseudo christ figure where you know he he go, he goes off into his own desert for a while and comes back changed yeah. and uh, and and was was going to be a dominator of of all mankind but but instead you know gave himself up and and they eat of his flesh at the end and it's this yeah. and it it it's meant to have a much more religious quality to it and and that that cannibal scene though it is very it is the super uncomfortable
0: <laughs> in the movie or the book
1: in both but in the movie yeah. in the movie i i was almost removed from it because yeah. of its religious connotations whereas in the book i just felt dirty in it
0: yeah and it, it is like uh so i think the the religious uh overtones i think in the movie yes definitely these religious overtones in the book they're there
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: but they are a little more subtle i guess that's undertones versus overtones if we want to get semantic <laughs> Where the first time through the book you might not really notice until you actually start thinking about the actions that happen. And you realize that he follows a very similar path to Jesus Christ, except that he's evil. Yeah. Right. Like that's like he performs yeah. miracles. Yeah. But he's evil. Um and he goes through like these trials, but they're evil trials. <laughs> and yeah, he spends some time with a prostitute.
1: The the movie has the the benefit of music in the, and the music is meant it it's these these beautiful choral arrangements and it's like very the the music always pulls you into the religion whereas the book doesn't have that it's describing things and so it it can't get across that as vividly even though i think you're right it is there in both of them for sure
0: yeah and the eating of their of of his flesh like literally like is amazing um but but so the so the last paragraph of the book which i think is is this again it's this wonderful juxtaposition from the whole rest of the book of like how horrible and disgusting and how all all the actions are kind of being done out of uh um sin right like To get the religious undertones again you know like either pride or um or uh envy or greed or whatever you know like all the actions are being done out of the the seven deadly sins uh in one way or another and then at the very end when the so they've eaten him and they're shy to look at each other but when they finally did dare at dare it at first with stolen glances and then candid ones they had to smile they were uncommonly proud for the first time they had done something out of love Mm. and that's the end of the book yeah the last line is they for the first time they had done something out of love which again gives it like this doing things out of a loving place as opposed to a sinful place Mm -hmm. and they did it finally and that action was eating somebody (laughs) so weird
1: it 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 is but it's also this I mean it's not a moment of redemption for the character because it can't be um but it's I mean they how can it be evil for them to have done it right because he is a he is a terrible person. He yeah. is a monster and and killing him is as it made clear throughout the book the right thing to do. Yeah. And yet they don't kill him out of uh vengeance like they were going to in the the prior chapter uh, they don't they don't kill him out, out of fear
0: like yeah like the victims would try to escape and stuff they weren't afraid of him they didn't yeah didn't hate him they loved him
1: they loved him absolutely loved him and and such that they were unable to let him let him go yeah and it you're it's it is such a strange and and beautiful and unnerving finish to the book yeah
0: and he does it to himself
1: and he does it to himself
0: which is that moment of um he's done what he was on earth to do and now i will die right like because like uh what's what's that there's that moment uh i think i highlighted it because it was yeah this moment of um he had found the compass for his future, and like all gifted abominations for whom some external event makes straight the way down into the chaotic vortex of their souls, Grunui never again departed from what he believed was the direction fate had pointed him. It was clear to him now why he had clung to life so tenaciously, so savagely. He must become a creator of scents, and not just an average one, but rather the greatest perfumer of all time. And he had, he had, and he completed his goal, and so now he can die and he's now no longer needs to cling to life, right? And that's the the sort of like like that he pours it on himself and they kill him.
1: Well, and it's it's one of the fascinating things in in the book is that and and I guess in the movie as well, but his goal is to be the greatest perfumer, not to be known as the greatest perfumer, right? Yeah. And it, and it's this subtle distinction where he is. You have to admit that he is by the by the end of the book. And so for him, that's enough. And so the circle can be closed at that point. And as opposed to every other character we've met that is ambitious, that is ambitious beyond belief and wants to be known. Mm-hmm. And and so it becomes very it, again, he's not heroic, but it is a it is a almost heroic quality that we see in him.
0: Yeah, almost selfless.
1: <laughs> almost,
0: because he's doing it not for not not to be known as the greatest, but to be the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about about this boy? <laughs> I uh, mean, there's lots we could go into, but oh, yeah. but. Uh,
1: um. I. I mean. I have to say. I I did enjoy both Alan Rickman and Dustin Hoffman in this. So great. They were, yeah. I, D- Dustin Hoffman. I like to imagine that this is a sequel to his character from Runaway Jury. Totally. <laughs> I Dustin Hoffman. I I enjoy him as an actor, but I see Dustin Hoffman really strongly in most of his roles. Yeah. And and this was one where I'm like, what? Dustin Hoffman? What? Are you, you're you're covered in makeup and a wig, but you're still you you know you're still the Hoff. And so um <laughs> yeah i, I mean
0: yeah they did so so the one thing the only other thing i think we should mention is that this is a classic sort of uh englishification of uh european stories mm-hmm. you know how like whenever something's set in like a, a faraway land we just make them all english right because i'm pretty sure all the characters have like english accents even though they're in france
1: yeah well, even though the dustin hoffman is i think supposed to be italian isn't he
0: yeah, he just talks like Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a t- but like uh like Grenouille himself has like an Englishy accent. Yeah. And it's this weird, like what? He's French.
1: And Alan Rickman has the Alan Rickman accent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They were all virgins. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, cool. Anyway, any last thoughts on perfume? Let's let's wrap this up.
1: Um, I, I'm just impressed by the layers that were, were there in both the, the book and the movie. Um, I mean, I think there are, there are meta qualities that both the director and the original author had in mind, both about directing and writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that it's the kind of, both are the kind of story that you could really unpack a lot more to, to find, exactly what is being said not only to the audience but to to other writers and filmmakers because i think there's a lot there uh, and so i wouldn't be surprised if i come back to both of these in the in the next few years and really delve into them some more to to figure out what's going on
0: yeah yeah and this is uh, to me the this is the a great example of of how uh, you don't need to, you don't you you aren't going to say the book was better yeah, um, but they were definitely different from each other and both wonderful, uh, um, wonderful um, uh, achievements, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, they, they, they achieved what they were trying to achieve in two very different ways. And both of them were uh, wonderful to watch and or read.
1: Yeah, I would use the word interpretation to describe the <sighs> movie rather than adaptation
0: yes wonderful that's a great 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 use of that so uh thanks a lot steve for talking about the story of a murderer with me
1: thanks uh thanks for making me actually i was i didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did
0: well now we can eat each other and or have an orgy